When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to build better clients, a better practice, and a better life. This is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of the Wealth Ability Network. So in chapter seven of the Win-Win Wealth Strategy, we talk about how great life insurance can be from a tax perspective. And the question is, how do you use it in your tax planning? And how do you use life insurance when you've got all these other things that clients are looking at? How do you use this as part of the tax planning side of your business? And how do you help clients with that? And I have, um, I think, the expert on life insurance, who's uh, been my expert on life insurance for many, many years, Kim Butler. So Kim, welcome to our show. Thank you, Tom. Always a joy to talk with you and love CPAs that are even open-minded to the idea of life insurance. <laughs> so, all right. So Kim, just give us a little bit of your background and then we'll just get into life insurance. Absolutely. So I graduated from college with an English degree, worked at a bank for three years, realized I wanted to help people with a broader array of their personal finance space. Also dealt with a lot of entrepreneurs and loved that community and got the whole array of securities licenses, life insurance licenses, designations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then over time, I've just really narrowed down my practice after covering everything to helping people buy life insurance in all 50 states and being very, very focused on that single liquidity product. No, I, I love that. You know, um, Kim, you and I have talked about this, but I'm a big fan of getting very specific and knowing who you are. You know, what's your core competency, right? right. And your core competency is uh, life insurance and specifically whole life insurance. So um, I, I love that. And I think that CPAs, one of the things we can learn from what Kim just said is that the, the better we get and the narrower we get on our core competency, um, the more successful we're going to be because we can do something nobody else can do. So, you know, Kim can explain life insurance. We can talk about life insurance and not everybody can do that. And we can talk about the difference between term and whole, whole life, which I want to do. Um, but let's, let's start. In fact, let's start there, Kim. Let's start with the difference term life insurance. I don't want to assume anybody, most people understand the basics here, but I don't want to assume anything. So, just explain quickly the difference between term and whole life and really when you would use one versus the other. Absolutely. I think the most important point is that, frankly, most people should own both. 
And so many people in the whole life space approach it from a do this or that. And you have the whole buy term and invest the difference discussion come up, which is really the wrong discussion because there is a concept called human life value. And that is the maximum amount of life insurance that a single person can get. Doesn't matter the type, doesn't matter the companies. And it's drastically more than most Americans or Canadians, because we can do some work there as well, ever even think about. So just quick math. And by the way, term insurance is perfect for fulfilling human life value. If you earn 100,000 a year, your human life value is a million five up to $3 million. Nobody's going to buy that with whole life insurance. So term insurance is a product that you pay for just like car insurance. As long as you're paying for it, there's a benefit. It's called a death benefit or a face amount. It pays, it's income tax-free. It has no asset value. It is pure cost. It works beautifully. There's yearly renewable term, which does what it sounds like. There's 30-year level term, which does what it sounds like. And that product is going to pay, except that nobody dies in that term of time. So that's what term insurance is So let me ask you that question. So what percentage of term insurance pays out? The statistics show, and it's been done a bunch of different ways in different studies, it's about one half of 1%. All right. So it's, so... The way one way I look at it from an accounting standpoint is I'm going, okay, term insurance, that's an expense. Yep. Right. Because and it's and it's an expense that you have every year and you're it's to protect your basically your family in case of an accident or some unusual situation. It's it's a great deal for the insurance companies because they don't pay out very often. Right. Um, but the reality is is that it's one of these catastrophic catastrophic events that if it does happen to you your family could be in serious danger. And so yeah. it's it's worth paying that small amount of term insurance in order to protect yourself from that danger, okay? So that's where term insurance makes total sense from my standpoint, but it is an expense. Whereas whole life insurance, I look at, well, that's not an expense, that's an asset. So explain briefly whole life and then explain um, how often that gets paid out. Sure. So the additional thing that I want to add on the term insurance for business owners, because you talked about protecting your family, there's a business to protect there too. And there's just millions and millions of dollars of potential that a business owner has that a regular W-2 employee wouldn't have. And CPAs are very aware of the difference. So if you move over to the asset side, whole life is the oldest financial product out there. I mean, you can literally find areas in Europe where six and 700 years ago it was being used. It is a very boring asset. It is a liquid asset. So you have the protection, the death benefit that everybody knows exists. And you also have something called cash value. And whole life is generally done with a mutual life insurance company. And this is a distinction. So Guardian, New York Life, Northwestern Mutual, uh, Penn Mutual, Mass Mutual, these are the types of companies that are mutual owned, meaning the policyholders own them. You can kind of think of them like a credit bureau or a credit union. The difference is with the whole life asset, that cash value is a liquid account and it is there for the line item where it exists on the balance sheet. So if it's a personal balance sheet, great. If it's a business balance sheet, great. It's important for CPAs to not be looking for a deduction around the life insurance space because no deductions. 
when you have a benefit that is tax-free, right. income tax-free, term insurance, whole life insurance, doesn't matter. You're not going to get a deduction on the other side. And then when you look at life insurance as an asset, you also get the technical term is tax deferred growth. Now you're going to hear a lot of people say it's tax-free growth. That's accurate in that as long as that policy stays in force, you will not ever pay taxes on the growth of cash value. Think about it just like a savings account. It's a liquid account. It can be on the business balance sheet. It can be on the personal balance sheet. And again, you will not pay taxes on it. However, we can't technically use the word tax-free because if you cancel the policy, it becomes taxable. So tax right. deferred so is the proper. Yeah. If you, if you pull it out, if you pull it out by basically selling it or giving it up, right. um, it's just like real estate, right? If you borrow um, a home tax equity line with real estate, that's tax-free. If you borrow using your cash surrender value as collateral, then it's tax-free because borrowings are tax-free um, for sure. And to be clear, we're talking about income tax. Of course, for estate tax purposes, it Total is, different deal. It, 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 you do have to look at who owns the policy, who's the, who's the beneficiary of the policy um, to determine who whose estate it belongs to. But from an income tax side, yes, never, never taxed, so never deducted. Right. Yep. And whole life is designed to be used for your whole life, and it is attached to a guaranteed event called death, and so it pays out income tax-free. So uh, what percentage of the time historically uh, or, or um, statistically does whole life pay out? You know, I would want to say 100%, but you do make a point in that there are absolutely whole life policies that get canceled. And I don't know what that statistic is, but as a general rule, when somebody buys whole life, they should buy it for the rest of their life. And so it will have a guaranteed payout, which is 100%. Right. So, so that makes it an asset, right? And it's an asset yep. that is available for use during your lifetime, as long as you use it as collateral and not just, you know, actually literally pull the money out um, and, and you're borrowing. Now talk about the loan, because I think it's important to, for people to understand the distinction between borrowing with whole life cash surrender value and borrowing from your 401k. Okay? Absolutely. So because there is a major difference on the interest payment, right? Correct. And on your flexibility and freedom with the loan. So the 401k has all kinds of limitations, staying employed, dollar limitations, you know, that may change with tax law, but uh, even requirements in terms of hardship and that type of thing. And when you pay back a 401k loan, you're taking after-tax dollars, paying that loan back, and now it's in the 401k so that you truly have borrowed from the asset. You right. pulled it out of the stock market or wherever it is, and now you're putting it back in and essentially those dollars are now gonna get double taxed. With the life insurance, you're borrowing against. And I correct even myself, I make this mistake and clients make it all the time. You have an asset like real estate, it's gonna keep growing unaffected by the loan. You are borrowing against that cash value and you get to control the payback structure. So you get to borrow for whatever you want. First of all, I recommend emergencies first, opportunities second. And then you can, you will have an interest rate that the insurance company pays, but you can control the payback, 
whether it's amortized or not. If you're going to do a real estate deal and it's fix and flip, maybe you don't pay anything for a while. If you're doing a real estate deal and it's a monthly income type of deal, then you can pay that loan back monthly and the cash value keeps right on growing unaffected by the loan. Right. So here's an important point is that remember, because it's being used as collateral um, under the interest tracing rules, under the interest expense rules, right? You trace what the use of the money was, okay? Because you're not borrowing from the policy, if you were borrowing from the policy, then that would not be deductible, no matter what. Because again, tax-free, tax-free. So that's why 401k, it, no matter what you use that money for in 401k, you're paying the interest back to your policy So the, and, and it's tax deferred. So therefore it's not deductible. But in the insurance case, it's no different than if you were to borrow, for example, home equity line of credit on your house, right? Which normally would not be deductible, um, except if you use it in business or real estate or energy or some something else that would allow you to deduct that interest because you're using it for that, you get to deduct the interest. So remember, it's how you use the money that determines how you deduct interest. And in this case, the, the money's going to the insurance company, not to you. And then the insurance company, they're, they're, how much they pay for your policy and how much that policy grows, that's, that's unrelated to the amount of interest that you're paying them, correct? Correct. And so let's just put some interest rates on it because I think people get curious. And it's important to know that you can borrow against your policy at a bank or at some other institution. You don't have to borrow against it at the insurance company. So interest rates, for everybody's knowledge, we're recording this in late 2022, and these rates don't change a lot anyway. You have from the insurance company, fixed rates that are usually between five and 8% fixed for the life of the policy, never going to change. So the loan is going to be a fixed rate, five to 8%. Some insurance companies have variable rates. Obviously those right now are closer to the four range and they've been as high as 13 or so variable rates from the insurance company. Then you could go to a bank. There's all kinds of banks. Typically the smaller ones are better. And of course I have a list of banks nationwide that will lend against cash value of life insurance just as a matter of course, part of their business model. They typically charge variable rates. So again, we're in that four, four and a half space. The cash value right now is growing at about four, four and a half. Depends on age a little bit. That's without taxes. That's after all of the commissions. That's after the cost of the death benefit. That's after the cost of running the mutual company. So triple net, right? Net, net, net of all those costs, you have a liquid asset growing at four, four and a half percent. Here's the distinction. It's very critical to watch what you are comparing. The 4% growth on the cash value of life insurance should be compared to any liquid account you've got. Savings account, CD, maybe money market account, right? Probably 2% average numbers right now, taxable. So there's a value there for the cash value asset. And then the loans, as we know, you want to compare your loan cost, not to what your cash value is doing. You compare your loan cost to what else you could borrow at in the marketplace or what you're investing in. So let me know when you're ready for a quick story on that one. Yeah. So, so just 
a couple of numbers before you get to your story. So if you consider that you got 4% tax-free, th that's your growth. Let's say that your interest rate were, were also 4%. Well, if your interest rate's deductible and you have a 40%, um, uh, like a lot of our clients do, right? You have a 40% tax rate. Right. That means that you're really not paying 4%. You're right. really paying 2.4% because you get a 40% discount from Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam is giving you, so you're really paying a net 2.4%, but you're growing at 4% uh, right. because you're you know, doing it right. You're never going to pay tax on your life insurance. You really should never. I mean, really, Kim, never. you taught me this. <laughs> you know, I've made the mistake before. Years and years ago, I cashed out uh, a, a whole life policy. What, what a dumb idea. Um, but it happens. And I learned my lesson and now I don't, you know, I know, I know that whole life is it's for your whole life and that's a good way to put it. And, uh, but understand that those, the numbers you have to look at, um, after tax to after tax. So if you are borrowing at the same rate and you're using it, the money for personal purposes, yes, it would be 4%, 4%. But if you're using it for a deductible purpose, then you get to, you get uncle Sam's contribution to that. And that's one of the, I think that's one of the benefits. One of the ones I talk about in the win-win wealth strategy is that you do get this um, distinction between earnings are being, are tax-free and uh, tax-deferred in your language. Um, but I think tax-free because it's always going to be tax-free in my world. As long as you leave uh, that in fours. And, uh, and then, and then, uh, and then the, but the interest expense is tax deductible. So tax deductible uh, expense, tax, tax free or tax deferred income. It's always a good match. Yep. Yep. So here's a fun story because of the comparison distinction that I made. It's important to compare the loan cost to what you're doing with the money. So you're accurate in your commentary and what we're doing with the money is where, so let's just stay at the gross level, that call, call it a 5% tax deductible expense for a minute. So you have a 5% interest cost. Well, what if you could get a real estate deal that earned you 10% because you've barred against the cash value. Now you're going to make a down payment on your real estate, go forward. You're getting a doubling of money. You have a 5% cost and a 10% gain. That is the comparison that should be made. Now, maybe it's against credit card debt, right? So instead of having to put payroll on a credit card, if you're a fledgling company, you borrow against your cash value of life insurance at 5% instead of 13 or 18 or whatever your credit cards are. So that's the comparison that should get made on the expense side, whereas the asset side, it's a 4% growth against a 2% money market account. Right. And, and remember, one of the things that you, that you taught me years ago, Kim, is that you're, you're your money's now doing two different things for you, right? It's it's growing that cash surrender value. She's very proud of me as I'm her student here. Um, her the cash surrender value is growing, right? And and but I always find so maybe you can explain this. Not only does the cash surrender value grow, but typically also the death benefit value grows. Correct. Yep. yep. And that is a great point that many, many people are not aware of at all. And you hear commentary out in the web all the time about you don't get your cash value and your death benefit. Yes, you do. Because if you start out with a million dollar death benefit and you have, say, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars of cash value, your death benefit is going to be a million, two, three, four. Not exactly. Of course, the insurance company makes a profit, but your death benefit grows absolutely every single year. So- 
let's let's look at so we've got this so we've got this leverage here okay that we can leverage the cash earn value so it's not just stuck there right we can right. leverage it um yep. and given that as Richard Duncan, our uh, the the economist that was speaking at our last uh, conference, said, "Remember that money is credit, right? Mm -hmm. So so money is not gold anymore. It's credit. And so what you've done is you've increased your credit availability, which means you've increased your money supply. Yep. And the whole idea is you're going to make money on your credit, and that's what you're doing. You know, the federal government does that all the time, and they they keep borrowing, right?" on your credit, right? right? So so that they put money into the, the way they put money in the market is the Fed, basically, we, they don't print dollars. That's not how they put money in the market. They just extend credit. That's what yeah. they do. Banks extend credit and banks create money, but we can create money. And this is, I think, the, the, the little piece of magic to life insurance and real estate. So the where life insurance and real estate, I think, are very similar is yes. that they, they're they both really easy to use as collateral, yeah. okay? And so they, they have their own benefit, the real estate has its own benefit, but as they grow in value over time, they also produce this additional credit for us, which allows us to borrow, use it for additional investments. And I, I think that's a bit of, I, I, that's one of the things where real estate you know, you really don't think about that. You're not going to think about that with energy, probably agriculture, nearly so much. But you really do with real estate and with life insurance. They have a, a comparable value there. Absolutely. They work together so well. And then you also have the death benefit out there that when you're in your 70s and 80s, you can use as a permission slip to spend down other assets. So you might do a charitable remainder trust with high value real estate that has a large capital gain tax and get rid of that. Or you might combine the death benefit with other things, even a stock market account, because your stock market account's going up and down. So there's some years you wouldn't want to take income, but if you have cash value to lean on and then death benefit that you know is going to pay, you can spend down that market account. You can lean on the cash value in down years and not affect your market account. There's a lot of coordination that can occur on the balance sheet. Yeah, I love that. I love that analysis um, because frankly, I love it because that's actually why I use um, right whole life. That's exactly the reason I use it because, you know, let's say that you've got you've got some real estate that has a, a mortgage on it and you don't want to leave your spouse with the mortgage, Right. Well, now the life insurance can pay off the mortgage and then your spouse has that income from the real estate. Or let's say, you know, you just want to make sure that you've got a certain amount set aside for whatever contingencies are for your spouse, your kids, whatever. But you're like my, my mother who said, always told me, he goes, just remember my goal in life is to break even. I'm not, we, we gave you kids an education. We gave you life experiences. It's totally up to you to get out on your own financially, but we're going to break even. So they didn't want to leave us with any debt, but they didn't really care if they left us with any um, assets either. This, you may feel the same way. There might be a certain amount of assets you want to say, well, look, I want to make sure they're taken care of to this extent. But what I really want is, is I want to know, look, if I, if I spend everything, I still have a cushion. Right. I still have a cushion and whether that, you know, some people say, well, I'm going to have gold and silver for that cushion. I'm going, well, life insurance, frankly, is easier to get at yep. um, than gold and silver. It has a smaller premium on it than gold and silver. So, and it's a safe, 
as gold yeah. and silver historically. Oh, yeah. so, um, and and, and it, it does keep going up, you know, as uh, as inflation goes up and interest rates go up. Yes. So that 4% that the cash value is growing today, if we get higher and higher interest rates, it will grow and be at higher and higher amounts. It's usually two or three points above bank rates. I want to add in one other thing that I think is super Please. important for CPAs to be helping their clients become aware of. And that is a product called universal life that is not guaranteed and may not pay. And so a lot of times when a CPA is looking at a client's situation, if there's universal life in the picture, they just need to be conscious that that death benefit may not be there. It could, we don't know, we don't know timeframes, et cetera, but just be aware that that's something that should be looked at. And the way to look at it is through getting the insurances in force illustration. So not the policy, but something called an in-force illustration. So the client's got to call up the 800 number, ask for one. It usually gets emailed as a PDF, sometimes takes a few days. In-force, I-N-F-O-R-C-E. Very, very valuable because when you look at those in-forces on universal life, they can be pretty scary. When you look at an in-force on whole life, you can see the guaranteed payment for death benefit goes out to 120. But the universal life, sometimes I see them stop at 70, 75. Oh, wow. Really? Mm -hmm. Very scary. Oh, very interesting. And what I what I do love about um, your life insurance industry, Kim, is life and uh, life insurance companies are really creative. So oh, yeah. there's a literally a million ways to you know to slice that benefit, or you know to to you know because so you can get. My point is is that you can get life insurance that's very specific to what your needs are, right? Yes. And, and I think that's a benefit of that of that policy is that you you don't have to go well it's whatever the salesperson offers me it's the whatever the life insurance person offers me just know that you really want a life insurance consultant right you want a life insurance advisor not a life insurance salesperson is that fair it is well said and there are a lot of good advisors out there and there are a lot of scary salespeople out there and and you have a network of life insurance advisors, right? We do. Yep. So if somebody wants to meet face-to-face, -face, we can tackle that. Of course, we help people ourselves personally all over the internet, both phone and Zoom. And I really welcome questions. I'm more than happy to help CPAs if they say, you know what, my client has this, I'm not really sure. Send me that in for us and I'll happily help you know what's going on. Awesome. Thank you for that. So uh, one last thing before we finish, and, and this is the idea, let's talk about the death benefit. Let's talk yeah. about actual uh, life insurance, islets, et cetera. So we, we do know that uh, we've got this huge estate tax exemption right now, um, you know, 12, basically 12 plus million per person, uh, you know, 25 million plus for a married couple. It's scheduled to go down though, scheduled right. to go down substantially about cut in half in a few years from now. And depending on what happens politically, who knows, but <clears throat> no guarantee that that's going to go stay up. Right. No guarantee at all. Um, so the question is, so how do you, you know, when you structure this, knowing that, okay, if, if I don't own my life insurance, I really can't borrow against it. Right. Right. Whoever owns it has the right, it, it's their collateral. It's not your collateral. So how, how do you balance those things with, I want access to my life insurance, but I don't want it in my estate. 
Yes. So there are a variety of trusts that do have some flexibility. Typically an irrevocable life insurance is the least flexible. You can build in friendly trustees and that can solve that problem. There are some dynasty trusts and some 678. There's a tax code for you. There you go. 678 trusts that can be a little bit more flexible where you truly get the best of both worlds. In other words, access to the cash along the way and then the death benefit not being inside the estate upon death. So those are the things I would have people look at. Yeah. So just remember that this is an important issue for a lot of people, and especially where you do have a lot of life insurance um, advisors and you have a lot of estate planning advisors who say, well, we want this out of your estate and just recognize that you've got to be careful about how you get it out of your estate. Because if you get it out, like you say, in your standard islet, irrevocable life insurance trust, you may not have access to it. So again, it's that flexibility, which makes uh, life insurance great, I think, but you need to make sure that you understand it. You have advisors like Kim and, and her group of life insurance advisors who really can walk you through it. And I found, I mean, I've asked several of them. I know, obviously, Kim, I know a lot of your advisors. One, uh, uh, Some of them are actually members of my network as well, because they have CPA right. firms, they they combine. And, um, and, and they're all very generous about uh, working with people and helping them understand it. So I really appreciate that. In fact, one of yours, uh, John Moriarty contributed to the book um, specifically that way. So right. we, we really appreciate that. So Kim, um, what's the, um, first of all, before we finish, talk about your new book. And second of all, where do we get more information about uh, you and your group of advisors? Well, we do have lots of books on Amazon. I think over 10 now. So I welcome people to pursue that if that's their favorite method of learning. Our newest is Busting the College Planning Lies, which was a fun one and is fabulous for both high school students, college students, parents, everybody in that space. We do have a Busting Life Insurance Lies book, but really what I would encourage people to start with is my little tiny book called Live Your Life Insurance, which was on Amazon literally when Amazon started. So it's like 20 years old or something. So that's the best learning place. I also have a podcast. We're almost at 500 episodes. So that's kind of fun. It's called the Prosperity Podcast, findable on all your favorite podcast listening modes. And then our website is prosperitythinkers.com. All right, prosperitythinkers.com. Thank you, Kim Butler. Thank you, everybody. You know, I, I think life insurance, it's it's just a very important tool. And I, I know when I was younger, you know, I fought this idea of whole life. Kim knows it took her 20 years to convince me, um, but she's very patient. Um, but but once I understood that, look, term, term insurance is an expense and whole life is an asset and it is for your whole life. Then And when we can help our clients understand that piece, that's just an additional way we can do more for our clients with really out have, without having to spend a lot more time with them doesn't cost us anything. We can bring in a life insurance advisor, um, somebody from like somebody's from uh, Kim's group. And when we do, we're going to end up with better clients, a better practice and a better life. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the wealth ability for CPA show, better clients, better practice, better life to learn more. Go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.